This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Best believe I'm still bejeweled when I walk in the room. I can still make the whole place shimmer. Welcome to Tuesday's episode. Today we are talking about one of my favorite topics, not Taylor Swift. We are talking about hormones, PMDD, all of those things, perimenopause, all these things that I literally knew nothing about until I started to experience symptoms. And now I've been looking into it, having people on the podcast to talk about it. So I hope you guys learn something from this episode. I am sure that you will. We still have so many questions, you know, like we're not taught this stuff in school, which blows my mind because hormones and our cycles literally dictate our quality of life. And most of us were on birth control for so long that our hormones were super regulated. And then we go off of it to have kids and we don't go back on it. And we're like, what the fuck is going on? Today, I am speaking with Jess Hagen and she is the mastermind. I'm such in a Taylor Swift, like, why did I just think of the word mastermind? She is the mastermind behind the account Her Mood Mentor. If you're not following, please do. You will learn a lot. And it's just, it's like a breath of fresh air to experience things and then see somebody else acknowledging them and talking about them and actually educating you on the topics. She tells her story of how PMDD affected her and how she navigated her way out of it. It took a long time and lots of misdiagnoses, and it really opened my eyes to the fact that so many women are likely diagnosed with other things when really it's hormones and their cycles. In this episode, we kind of go over each phase of our cycle and what is happening to our hormones in those phases and what are some of the things we could experience because of those shifts in hormones. And then we talk about how to balance hormones, all that good stuff. We also talk a lot about PMDD, which again is something that I've just discovered recently and started learning about because... I was experiencing such moodiness and irritability the week before my period. It was not normal. I have since done things to really help with my hormones and kind of maintaining more of a balance. I talk about that in this episode as well. So yeah, I'm sure you guys are going to learn a ton and probably start tracking your cycles and seeing what happens to you during all these different phases. Oh my God, being a woman is so fun. Like we are the best, but you know, we have to deal with some shit. And the fact that we were never taught anything about this stuff and now we're kind of taking the bull by the horns, if you will, and figuring shit out on our own and research is starting to acknowledge women's health and all this kind of stuff. I'm hopeful for our future, guys. So without further ado, please welcome Jess Hagen, the mastermind behind Her Mood Mentor, to the mom room. Okay, so my first question is, how did you become interested in the area because obviously your whole platform is dedicated to menstrual things. Like what would you say your main focus is? PMDD? Yeah, I specialize in PMDD and PMS. What does PMDD stand for? Just in case. I don't even think I know what the two Ds stand for. Yeah, it's premenstrual dysphoric disorder. All right. So how did you decide that that is what you wanted to put all your focus on? Well, it wasn't exactly by choice. <laughs> it was by through personal experience of living undiagnosed and misdiagnosed with PMDD for almost two decades and coming to a place where I nearly lost my life due to the severity of the symptoms 
And I was able to really turn that around with integrative medicine and get to a place of symptom reduction and management in a way that I had never seen through all of the other treatment protocols that I had tried. And at that point, when you have that kind of stark experience of I, I am, I'm dying every cycle to, oh, I'm like, I'm getting my life together. I got engaged. I bought a homestead. I mean, these were things that were never going to be possible with the level that I was functioning at cyclically. It really called me to help others do the same because it's it's a new newer thing. It wasn't added to the DSM even until 2013, and there's just still so few resources. So I really felt that I had a responsibility to help others when it, I lived through it and I knew how really devastating to the quality of life it was. I feel like most people know of PMS, but... I think it was just probably in the last year or so that I have even heard the term PMDD. And like, I have a PhD in psychology. Like, it was never a thing. So what was your experience? Because you said you had, you know, issues for almost two decades. What kinds of things were you going to your doctors for? And what was the response? Like, was it ever considered that it was connected to your cycle? Yeah. So luckily, my mother realized quite early on. So I started my period around age 12, 13, kind of right there in between. And of course, it's a tumultuous time for anyone having those hormones come come online in that way. And so she started taking me within two years of starting my cycle and saying, hey, you know, I had a cycle <laughs> and it wasn't like this. This is kind of next level. So she recognized that it was connected to my cycle. I, even despite that happening in adolescence, it's so consuming what you're going through. And especially as you get away from your family and they're not able to reflect back as consistently, like your period is coming soon. I couldn't recognize it. Even though I knew, right, I knew consciously that it was the cyclical thing that was happening every cycle that it would occur, which was every cycle, this, the psychological symptoms were so severe that it just, you can't really see beyond. You're just in survival mode. And so as she was taking me, of course, to a gynecologist initially, you know, they were just saying, well, it's going to take some time for her hormones to balance out and this isn't really unusual but it never, it never happened. Like you said, it took you a while to figure out what actually worked for you. Like what are some of the things that you tried previously? Yep. So with an allopathic medicine, so that would have been long before PMDD was specifically added to the DSM. The treatments were hormonal contraceptive, right, for cycle symptoms. So I had... I was put on that at a very young age to try to regulate my moods and my cycle. And then at one point, I think I was 16 at that point, I was diagnosed as having bipolar disorder, which is one of the most common misdiagnoses for PMDD. Yeah, so then I was on antipsychotics at age 16. And that just really led me to completely dismantling my life. Because when you're treated for something that you don't have... And even those medications, I mean, you know, they massively can impact your functioning. My frontal lobe was not developed at that point. Like, it just, I, my whole life fell apart. Like, did you just kind of hit rock bottom and then you were like, what is going on? I'm going to figure it out. Like, or was there a specific doctor that you ended up seeing and they like opened your eyes to this whole other way of, you know, living? Like, what was it that made you kind of figure it out? I wish that had been the case, but it was not my experience. I did have to hit a rock bottom point. And it was a series of rock bottoms, but there was this really low point in 2017 where I things had not been going well. And we can talk more about the symptoms because, you know, people hear mood disorder and it's just not really an understanding of what that behavior looks like. There's a lot of stigma around it, too. So I had just very tumultuous relationships. 
And I had been on and off with a partner for six years, and we were going to give it a go. And I was just at this point where I was like, I really don't want to mess this up again. So I went to the physician, uh, another gynecologist, and I said, you know, I have severe PMS symptoms. I had that language. Still, no one had ever said PMDD to me at that point. I had to find that diagnostic criteria on my own. But the physician, again, was like, well, let's put you back on a hormonal birth control that you had been on for a long time. And you seem to be fine. But of course, I didn't have any self-awareness. I had no metrics of how I was tracking. It's a, you know, efficacy with my body. I was still a child. So I was like, fine, yeah, you know, great. Whatever I need to do to not have these psychological episodes. But it sometimes the hormonal contraceptive can have a adverse effect and it did. And instead of having the symptoms for 2 weeks, I had them the entire month. And so I single-handedly dismantled lost my housing, lost the relationship, lost jobs, like everything within a four-month period of time. And I went to the physician and I said, like, I am suicidal. Like, I can't stay on this. And the response was just, it's going to take a little bit longer for it to even out. You know, it takes time for your body to adjust to these medications. And I just couldn't make it. I, you know, by the four month time period, I had lost everything. And that was when I really had to step back and say, I'm going to die. Like, I will die because of this, or I have to find something else. And I have tried various different forms of antidepressants, antipsychotics. At that point, like 10 to 12 different hormonal contraceptives, like, it was not working. You know, I needed something else. And that's where I started to get into integrative medicine and really started to see a change. But it was a life or death point where I just, I can't do this. This is not living. And that's the frustrating thing. Like for anybody that's struggling with whether it's like anxiety, depression, or PMDD, it takes so long, first of all, to like see the doctor, to get your prescription, then to take the medications, which always come with like all these other symptoms, but you have to be on it for X amount of time to see if it works. And then you're like, well, shit, this one's not working. Now you have to go back to the doctor, get a new prescription. And if you're really struggling, it's kind of a nightmare until you find something that works for you. I'm super interested in your story. I know like, I was like, oh, do you want to come on and talk about like general stuff? But like, this is probably so relatable to so many people, like maybe not the severity that you experienced it, but I'm sure so many women, every time I talk about symptoms and like hormones and cycle, and the thing is a lot of us have been on birth control for so long, then we go off of it to have kids and then we don't go back on it after having kids and we're like, what is going on? You know, what are some of the things that you first started integrating into your life, like changes that you started to make? Was it like diet, supplements? So I think the main, and this is probably not going to be what you expect, but the the main changing factor for me was the education. Because yes, we can take the supplements. Yes, we can make the lifestyle changes, but the adherence to those changes isn't super high if you don't understand your body. And what I recognized early on, and this is so unacceptable, I was 28 when I realized that that there were four phases of the menstrual cycle. Tell me about it. (laughs) Honestly, honestly, like I knew there was like phases, like it's just unacceptable. And so that really was what started changing things where I was like, whoa, I'm trying to feel better. I'm trying to address this, but I don't even know what's going on on the most basic fundamental level. And so from that, right, with that education, I was able to then start experimenting and and making changes when I understood what the body actually needs to have a healthy menstrual cycle and what a menstrual cycle even is. And so that's where I start now with people too, because, you know, they do just want to feel better, of course, but your body 
is experiencing these symptoms, they're messages, right? Body system dysfunction and symptoms are messages of what needs support. So at the end of the day, we need a paradigm shift around, yeah, you just want to feel better, but you don't want to disappear those symptoms because they're the information that you need to make the changes. And if you don't have that education, you're just, you know, out in a boat without a paddle. Like there's no hope for you. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there, and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner, I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. It really struck me because like you were saying, I wasn't that familiar with, you know, I wasn't understanding that the shifts in the hormones could cause so many things. And so I remember seeing a naturopath for something completely different, like my digestive system. And we were like working together a lot. And then one day she randomly asked me about my sleep. And I was like, yeah, I sleep really good. But there's like a stretch of time every once in a while where I'm not sleeping. Like I'm wide awake or I'll wake up at two in the morning. And she was like, keep track of when that happens. And I bet you it's the week before your period. And I was like, oh, okay. Like random. So I did that. And sure enough, the week before my period is exactly when it happened all the time. And that was my like awakening moment of, oh my gosh. And so now I'm starting to piece so many things like the irritability and the moodiness. And I think like we just are living on autopilot and we're just like, go, 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 go. And we don't actually take time to think about like, where am I right now in my cycle? I'm, you know, we beat ourselves up because we're exhausted. We're tired. We have all these things to do. But now I'm starting to pay attention like, oh, it's the week before my period. Like my body needs rest. So instead of doing XYZ, I'm going to actually make my calendar for the week and give myself time to chill. I want everyone to learn all of this stuff. And I I don't know all of it by any means, but maybe what we can do then, because as you said, like we didn't know about the phases of our cycle. And I still am like 
I know the phases, but I want to learn more about what is happening in each of those phases to our bodies. So maybe we can just go through that, like the cycle, what it looks like, and what's happening, but also what are common symptoms that we could experience in that phase? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we can run through that. I think one one thing to add on to what you're saying there is that there's just a stigma, right, around females of, oh, she's moody, she's hormonal. And because of that almost dismissal, there's really no more, it just stops there. Yeah, the conversation just ends. It just ends. And those things aren't false. Yes, we are hormonal, but there's a misunderstanding between male and female hormones and how powerful in general hormones are. And there's a huge lack of education around what are hormones. Serotonin is a hormone. Dopamine is a hormone. Insulin is a hormone. There are so many hormones that are not sex hormones, right? Or stress hormones that play into the conversation and just really recognizing how powerful your body is and that it it can create severe psychological symptoms. And that I feel like that's just something that is omitted. Like allopathic medicine is over here and then psychology is over here. And it's like, wait, the body though, guys. Yeah. (laughs) The body is all connected, right? I know. Which phase should we start in, I guess? Yeah, the menstrual phase is the first, the starting. Which we're all familiar with. (laughs) We are, yeah. So the men- the first day that you're fully bleeding is day one of the menstrual cycle. And this is too where that metric collection, we a lot of us track our cycles. But when you're experiencing any sort of symptoms that you think are maybe linked to your cycles, having more tools to really more in-depth pay attention to those symptoms is really important, especially when it comes to PMDD. So day one menstrual cycle, you're bleeding, that endometrial lining is shedding, and it's the lowest point of your sex hormones because of that. The hormones drop, the endometrial lining sheds for, you know, three to seven days. It's different for everyone. There are certain things to look out for as far as quality, volume, viscosity, everything about your menstrual cycle is giving you information about how your body is functioning. So that bleeding phase is going to be the menstrual phase. The sex hormones are progesterone and estrogen, correct? Those are the primary known sex hormones, but there's FSH and LH. There's testosterone. Females have testosterone as well. During the menstrual phase, those hormones are at their lowest levels. And so does that make us tired? Does that... Yeah. Yeah. Symptom wise. So that is a massive vascular event, shedding the endometrial lining. It requires a lot of energy physiologically to make that happen. So you will likely feel more fatigued, especially if you're dealing with any, you know, heavy bleeding and iron, you know, imbalances that can perpetuate that fatigue even more. But cramping, bloating, some symptoms, you're going through, like I said, a major vascular event. So it's some symptoms are to be expected. They should never be debilitating. If there are any dips into debilitating, it's a sign that something else is going on and we need to address it. And something I want to say here, too, is that the menstrual cycle in itself has been recognized by the American Academy of Obstetricians and Gynecologists and the American Academy of Pediatrics as a vital sign in females from the time of menarche, that first period. So, whoa, if you're, who's thinking of their menstrual cycle in that way of like, this is actually right up there with my body temperature, my heart rate, my respiratory rate, you know, like, it's a big deal. And so what are the signs, if that is the case, what should we be looking for to say, oh, my cycle is healthy or my menstrual phase or, you know, my period is healthy? Yep. So if you are bleeding less than three days, if you're bleeding longer than seven days, if you're losing more than 80 milliliters of blood or less than 30 milliliters of blood, We want to kind of monitor that, which is hard to do unless you're using a menstrual cup. 
When you were just saying that, I was like, okay, my periods seem so heavy, like in the last year or so, ridiculously heavy. And now I'm like, I want to use a cup and like collect it in a jar and measure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you can do some calculations with a super tampon is going to hold this much or... Yeah. Okay. So I guess I could like use the cup, kind of like gauge how much is in the cup and then write it down and then discard of the blood. Renee, you don't need to keep it in a jar. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Whatever Anyways, you want okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. It'll make for good content, right? It definitely, definitely. Also cycle length. So the time from bleed, your day one bleed to your next day one bleed, if that is exceeding, you know, 34, 36 days, there's a sign that something is going on. If it's less than 24 days, 26, there, there are different people operate on different ranges, but around those ranges, if you're bleed, having a short cycle or a, a longer cycle can be a sign that things are going on. And then symptoms, symptoms are a big part of it. Any debilitating symptoms, whether they be psychological or physical can be signs of underlying health conditions a variety. I mean, bleeding disorders, thyroid conditions, other reproductive health conditions, infections, like tons of things. Does PMDD occur before your period starts? Yeah. So they're actually finding that there are subtypes of duration of symptoms, three particularly. That was a like 2019 study, I think. So since it was added to the DSM in 2013, I mean, now lots of more research is being done. But yes, that's the thing with these psychological symptoms. They can happen. They, the onset can be 14 days before you bleed. So if you're having symptoms of depression, anxiety, you know, suicidal ideation 14 days before, you're not thinking, oh, it's definitely my menstrual cycle because that's you're not bleeding for so long after. So a lot of people are the lack of education around your menstrual cycle, the luteal phase, because the, the symptoms are primarily in the luteal phase. So with the subtypes, they can be one week before. So that's the second week of the luteal phase before you menstruate. They can be two weeks before the entire luteal phase, which varies in length for people. Or for some people, they're kind of the week before and then into the menstrual cycle, they're still kind of coming out of it. Whereas some people, a, a kind of like hallmark sign of PMDD in the past before these subtypes were revealed was once you bleed or once you almost bleed, it's like the fog clears. It, you like reemerge into yourself and it's very quick. Like it comes on very quickly. It goes away very quickly. That's how I would feel with the sleeping. It was like, I'm like, okay, like period, come on, like get here because I would like to sleep at night. You know, it was, it was like instant. Hormones. Okay. So after menstrual phase, it is follicular. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so what's happening with the hormones then? So this is when your hormones, specifically estrogen related hormones are starting to increase towards ovulation. So FSH comes online, which is follicular stimulating hormone to mature the follicles one you're going to ovulate but it, your body is going to mature multiple at a time and then one predominant one is going to take the stage for ovulation but that whole period of time they're growing and your hormones are increasing and then lh comes onto the scene luteinizing hormone to trigger the release of well to build estrogen continue to build estrogen and tr help trigger the release of that egg from the follicle and so we're starting to get our energy back. We're feeling more social. We are able to articulate our words better because estrogen has major impacts on neurotransmitters in the brain. Our sex drive is starting to increase. We're kind of like gearing up. And a lot of people like to akin the menstrual cycle to seasons. So the, the menstrual phase would be like the winter and you would kind of treat yourself like it's winter, you would eat the kinds of foods, you would do the types of movement, you would rest more. Then the follicular phase would be spring, where you're kind of, you know, eating lighter foods, you're waking up, sleeping a little bit better, that circadian regulation. And then that's going to move into ovulation. Now, ovulation really is a 
12 to 24 hour event that that egg is viable, but those hormones are building and the fertile window is around six days. So you can kind of categorize the ovulatory phase summer as that kind of six day period where the estrogen is peaking and great time to be social, great time to be out doing public speaking, presentations for work. You're going to be the highest energy. This is when you want to do more high intensity exercise or try things that you haven't tried before, both sexually and in life. (laughs) What was that? Okay. I had a freaking question about, oh, do you come across a lot of people who experience pain with ovulation? Mm. It's quite common. Yeah. It's called middle schmerz, middle pain. And it is quite common if you're paying attention. It shouldn't be severe again, but noticing cramping around ovulation. And a lot of people actually notice symptoms. So PMDD onset can come right at, you know, right around ovulation and high estrogen. Some people are going to be sensitive to, if you're sensitive to the fluctuation of hormones, you can be sensitive to estrogen. You also can have too much estrogen, which can result in symptoms as well. So it's, that can be happening at the same time. I've always, well, since I got off birth control, like a long time ago, I get really bad ovulation pain. So I know exactly when I ovulate because I can feel it. And I have to take like Tylenol or naproxen or something with like a heating pad. Like it's so, but like you said, it's only for about 12 hours or something. And I remember I would always tell doctors that and they would be like, oh, you're lucky. You know, when you're ovulating, I'm like, yeah, but like what's going on? (laughs) And then I heard someone talk about how period cramps and ovulation pain has a lot to do with inflammation in the body, which I'm on like this whole inflammation kick right now because like I get chronic sinus infections also linked to inflammation, like digestion, inflammation, all the period stuff, inflammation. So is that something that you consider? Yeah. Yeah. Prostaglandins and essential fatty acid balance can impact along other body systems, right? Digestive, how your digestive system is functioning can lead to inflammation, endocrine disrupting exposures in your environment, diet, obviously, hydration. I mean, there's so much that plays into inflammation, but the, the prostaglandin balance between those that are pro-inflammatory and those that are anti-inflammatory is important. Otherwise, you're just like full in an inflammatory response. And that's where we also have to look at immune function as well because the immune system is going to play in. The more I learn, the more I'm like, literally everything is connected. And it's almost like there's not a quick fix for anything. It's like a lifestyle of all the things, like taking care of yourself, like resting, eating, like relationships, like everything is connected. Anyways, Renee, it's next true. Phase, our next phase. <laughs> um, so the next one would be folic, no, luteal phase, which, you know, that's where we hear a lot about like the symptoms that you would experience before your menstrual cycle comes. I remember like, a few years ago is when I learned that PMS symptoms really occur before the period comes. I feel like growing up, I always assumed that PMS just meant your period. Yeah, because of that stigma and lack of education, people are like, oh, she's on her period. It's like, yeah, you can have period symptoms, but you're probably not going to have the PMS symptoms, which people stigmatize on your period. So it's just a lack of education. And again, that leads to a lot of misdiagnosis and undiagnosis because people are like, well, these symptoms aren't on my period. So so what's happening with the hormones in the luteal phase? Yep. So this is really cool. I'll try to be concise. So you ovulate that egg and then the sac that that egg exited from actually becomes a hormone secreting gland. So again, major vascular event to have a healthy follicle because then not only is ovulation a big deal, healthy eggs, you know, a healthy process, then that same body has to produce all the progesterone for the luteal phase. So it's called the corpus luteum. 
And after the egg exits, progesterone is, pr is produced from that follicle, empty follicle sac. And progesterone is the dominant hormone of the luteal phase. Two, so estrogen is going to proliferate the lining of the uterus, build it up. And then progesterone, progestation, is going to keep it intact so that that egg, should it be fertilized in the fallopian tube, can implant and the lining is going to stay intact. And then, you know, the progesterone stays high. And then if you do conceive, the that progesterone is going to continue to be produced until the placenta takes over production at like pretty late into pregnancy. I think it's like 18 weeks or something like that. Don't call me on that, but it's surprisingly long that that is going to continue to produce progesterone before the placenta provides the progesterone for the baby. So is this why they're always, is it the progesterone? Like once you get pregnant, they're always checking to make sure something is continually increasing or no, that's something else. Yeah, progesterone. Oh, it is progesterone. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Typical symptoms or things that people would feel in luteal phase, like is our energy starting to drop, like moodiness, like that's all from the hormones? Yep. So something to consider here that, again, I think is really important educational piece is that your body doesn't know if it's conceived yet because that pregnancy hormone, HCG, hasn't communicated to the brain of like, yes or no. That happens at menstruation because you either menstruate or you don't. You're pregnant. And so there's this period of time where your body mounts a defense against pathogens. So your cervical fluid actually becomes antimicrobial. Your cervix closes, right? Because no, nothing else is going to be coming in to fertilize that egg. That's already happened. And so your body actually and your immune system become suppressed in order to facilitate the implantation of that embryo. Because if, if not, right, you're never going to be able to conceive, there's a foreign body, you know, in your body and that we're going to attack it. So everything kind of shifts and you go from feeling, oh, I want to be really social. I want to rub shoulders with people. I want to potentially put myself, and this is all unconscious, likely, right? Unless you're trying to conceive, put yourself in a position to conceive a child because that's your body's second ultimate, ultimate goal beyond survival to a protective state to protect poten the potential pregnancy. So you actually become more tired. You don't want to be touched. Your sex drive plummets. So a lot of people come to me and they're like, well, I have low libido. And I'm like, all the time? No, just, you know, a lot of the time. Well, you're not supposed to have high libido when your estrogen is not on, your testosterone is low and you're potentially protecting yourself from these pathogens that could impact the pregnancy. So, and there's more to consider, right? Is you, do you have high enough progesterone to estrogen ratio? If you're going to have high estrogen, you're going to have low progesterone. So there are other things that can lead to symptoms, but there is just a universal female body. This is how the female body functions. You're going to change from phase to phase because your hormones and your brain chemistry are changing about 25% each phase. So are some women just more sensitive to the changes in hormones? Like if people were tracking my hormones and your hormones, does it look almost identical or are we fluctuating differently or are some people just more sensitive to it? I think kind of everything. There's a lot with the estrogen estrogenic environment that we're living in, the stress that we're living in, there's a lot of hormone imbalance. I mean, it's pretty much impossible. Not to be a Debbie Downer, but it's really hard to have he healthy hormone production because of stress and because of endocrine-disrupting chemicals in the environment. But people are also more sensitive to those fluctuations. So when they look at people with PMDD, there are other genetic factors that we're finding too, but you know, they're testing hormone levels at the different phases. And they're obviously people are bio-individuals, so there's some variation, but there's not an obvious necessarily like everyone with PMDD has low progesterone. That used to be the thought because some people do and that can lead to those symptoms, but not everyone does. So it is, it's 
recognized as a hypersensitivity to neuro neurosteroid changes in the brain, which they're finding is linked to genetics and like a molecular mechanism, essentially, and even genetic polymorphisms in genes to some of these symptoms. So we're finding more out, but at the end of the day, it's like, cool, now what? <laughs> like, what are we going to do about it? This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Lil Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. Because it's in the DSM, do women just have to meet certain criteria to be diagnosed with that? And then if you are diagnosed, I'm assuming it's like everything else where if you go with Western medicine, they're going to do one thing. And then if you go more holistic, like lifestyle approach, it's going to be different. Because I remember talking to my previous doctor about heavy periods and I wanted to get my all like these hormone things checked out. And because my naturopath suggested that to me. It all made sense to me. And then I went to my family doctor and she was like, do you get a period every month? I said, yeah. And she's like, okay, so your hormones are fine. I was like, thank you for your help. <laughs> but at the same time, so my husband's a physician, he's a surgeon. I understand why Western medicine's and like doctor's hands are kind of tied because we, in Canada anyways, have this healthcare model where they have to be able to bill the healthcare system for the thing that they're providing. And so if you're not so sick or having such symptoms that they would be able to treat it with like a pharmaceutical or something like that, their hands are tied. Like my doctor is not in the business of holistic or like wellness, you know, they're going to fix something that's broken. And so for my doctor, she was like, I can send you to go get your hormones tested. But regardless of what the outcome is, I'm not going to be able to do anything for you. So I'm not sending you for the tests. You know what I mean? Like, it's such a like, I wish people would work together more like from a holistic standpoint and Western medicine. Because as 
someone navigating the healthcare system. Now I'm going to have to go pay out of pocket. I know like I'm in Canada. That's just, I know I have lots of American listeners and they're probably like, what? (laughs) But now I have to go do everything on my own and pay for it and like see a naturopath and stuff because the traditional medical system just can't do anything for me. So it's frustrating. And I remember her saying, because I was talking about the irritability the week before my period, she was like, oh, well, usually what we do is just prescribe like an antidepressant for that week. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to do that. Anyways, so I've been slowly making changes, like taking certain supplements and just being more mindful and literally like slowing down, like physically just moving slower throughout the day and being more intentional. And it's made a world of a difference. So anyways, that's my little rant. But for people listening, if they were to go to their physician, what kinds of things are they looking for to diagnose them with PMDD? And is the treatment option usually just an antidepressant the week before their period? Yeah. So, I mean, we could do like an entire podcast on this topic. (laughs) So I'm going to try to keep it concise. And I have changed the way I feel about this throughout time as a practitioner now versus being a patient. And we're not here to, I'm not anti-allopathic medicine. I have no negative feelings towards towards allopathic medicine. When I did, it was because of that lack of education. I was basically going to a cake shop and being like, but why aren't you giving me donuts, you know? And then I was victimizing myself because I didn't understand the limitations of the system and what they're trained to do. They're doing their jobs. It's not their job to educate me on my body. It's not their job to find other solutions. They're doing what they can do. And unfortunately, that didn't work for me. I tried all the things and... And then I felt hopeless. And that's really why I came into this field because of the hopeless and helplessness that came with misdiagnosis and undiagnosis and treatments that weren't efficacious. Because I felt like I was at a dead end. There was nothing else. I tried the antidepressants. So the two primary treatments, and this is really fascinating. I can super nerd out because I've done so much research around the history of PMDD becoming a diagnosis, which was lobbied by Eli Lilly and other pharmaceutical companies so that their treatment could become the primary treatment. So when that happened and PMDD was added to the diagnosis, added to the DSM, instead of hormonal contraception being the primary treatment, SSRIs and antidepressants became the primary treatment. And and along with, it's either one or the other or both. You can do both. So that is what's available and it ends there. And it that's just not true. There are so many things. And to get a PMDD diagnosis, a prospective diagnosis, you have to have only, used to be three, two months of charted data, which is not that many months, you know. Your cycle can be awry for two months, six months. And you have to meet a category of symptoms with at least only one, so you have to check five symptoms, but only one has to be in this category, which includes mood and emotional changes, irritability, anger, interpersonal conflict that's going to come with that, depressed mood, hopelessness, feelings of guilt or worthlessness, anxiety, tension, feeling keyed up on or on itch. So you only have to take one of those boxes and then the others can be, you know, fatigue, bloating, breast swelling, breast tenderness, hypersomnia, insomnia, tons of other symptoms. It's not great. And that's something that I have changed my opinion on as I've gone forward with working clinically and running labs with, you know, I have hundreds of students and working one-to-one with people is that in being in the system at no point were labs ran to see if there were underlying conditions perpetuating the symptoms or hormone imbalance perpetuating the symptoms because PMDD falls at the intersection of gynecology and mental health and there's not a field there, right? So you're just getting bounced around and no one really knows what to do because no one 
highly educated, trained people and physicians never heard about PMDD. Yeah. And no one's talking to each other. No one's talking to each other. So there's a major flaws, additional flaws within the system that I didn't realize until I moved into the practitioner role and started working so heavily with people experiencing these symptoms. And it's great to have a diagnosis, but you know this, it's just a collection of symptoms. That's all it is. And people connect their identity because it's so validating to finally be able to point to something outside of yourself and say, it's that. It's not me. It's that. Yeah. Yeah. I also think we live in a society where people just want to walk into their doctor's office and leave with the solution in their pocket instead of really looking at lifestyle factors and things that they can, because it's hard to make changes to your lifestyle. Like, I totally get that, especially when you are, like, I'm naturally just like a busybody. Like, I will go, 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 go. I have to be very, like, mindful and intentional about it. Like, okay, Renee, you're actually going to sit down. Like, I have three recordings booked today. I'm going to finish probably around two o'clock. And I know that I don't have anything scheduled for the rest of the day and I don't have anything to do. So I'm making myself like not do work stuff. Whereas usually I would just go until I had to leave to go pick up my son. Like I would be like, I'm the person that like puts something in the microwave and I'm like, what can I get done in 30 seconds while this heats up? <laughs> like, but I'm starting to just like slow down. But I think. It's like with anything, like you have heartburn. Well, I don't want to change what I'm eating. I'm just going to take this pill. So yeah, I I really would suggest that people track their symptoms. Like if it's insomnia, if it's irritability, moodiness, and see where it lines up in your cycle and then start to make some changes. So if somebody is working with you, How do you, like, I'm assuming you get them to track everything. And then from there, you guys can start to implement changes. And what are you most likely to suggest to people? Is it like more so about like rest and that kind of stuff? Or like, are you a fan of certain supplements or, you know, foods? Like, where do you do most of your treatment? So what I've found is that taking a bio-individual approach to working with people is the most effective. And so I have a course that just is basically like me brain dumping everything that I have learned that I feel like people should know. And so that's self-paced. So people can go through. I break the protocol down into seven areas, which include sleep, movement, nutrition, relationships, spirituality, all, you know, stress, all of these areas where you can learn more about how to navigate specifically with these psychological symptoms and physical symptoms as well. But in a one-to-one setting, that's where I like to look at, I do a variety of assessments that really reveal body system dysfunction. And then I talk to them because I can create a protocol for you and say, you're going to quit coffee and you're going to exercise five days a week. And if you don't want to do those things, this isn't going to work. If you can't do those things, it's not going to work. And your specific symptom presentation is going to be different from my next client. So we really have to work together to target. And that's where having a practitioner like myself on your care team is so powerful because you're overwhelmed. You're scouring TikTok and the internet for all of these things and you don't know where to start. But because of the education and training and personal history that I have with this, I can pull all your charts up and see, okay, these are a couple of areas of body system dysregulation that we really need to target. And we can do that through sleep, stress, you know, all of these different avenues what do you feel like you can do and is going to be the most effective for you? And then we do that and it works, right? And we run labs and all sorts of other things. Okay. That's what I was going to ask. Like, so do you recommend, you're in the US, right? Or are you in Canada? I'm close to Canada. I'm in in Montana. (laughs) Oh, okay. Cool. Montana. Is that where like the Yellowstone ranches are or is that somewhere else? Yep. Part of, in Wyoming and Montana, Yellowstone is. Oh. Cool. Um, Anyways, (laughs) do you recommend that people go and get blood work done? Is there anything else that you have people do? And like, what should people be asking 
four. So this is a qualm that I have with the allopathic approach to diagnosis is that they aren't generally running. Okay, there's so much to this conversation, but they aren't generally running necessarily basic blood labs before the diagnosis is made. And obviously, counselors and psychologists aren't running labs. So there are some conditions, specifically thyroid-related conditions or hormone imbalances that these symptoms can be coming from. So it really just depends on the investment that the particular client wants to make. I highly recommend certain labs like a CBC with differential, a complete metabolic panel, a complete thyroid panel. But a lot of allopathic physicians aren't going to run a complete thyroid panel unless you have a family history or you're checking the boxes for a lot of these symptoms. And if you're not checking the boxes for a lot of the hypothyroid symptoms specifically or Hashimoto symptoms, maybe you don't need to get a full panel and you have no family history, but the overlap is massive in symptoms, anxiety, depression, weight gain, fatigue, you know, I mean, all the same for both. So those are like some basic blood labs that I recommend and that I run for clients if they can't, you know, hack it or if it's more economical. But something else to consider is that the ranges, like you were saying in Canada, they're working like the U.S. on a disease model. So their lab ranges are much broader because if you're not way out here in a disease state, you're fine. They're not in the business of wellness. They're in the business of... They don't care if you're, not that they don't care. Personally, I'm sure they do care. But the system does not care if you feel good. It's, we just don't want you to be deathly ill. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. So in integrative medicine, we operate on a smaller lab range scale because we're looking at optimal health. And I don't, as a practitioner, by choice, I could have. People are always like, well, you're not a gynecologist. By choice right? Gynecology didn't help me with this. Counseling didn't help me with this. That's why I didn't professionally take that route. Just recognizing another lack of education moment that there are different lab ranges that people are operating on. And so if I'm running blood labs and things come back and they're way out of my smaller range, I'm using lifestyle and diet and examining what's going on in their environment and their stressors and seeing, okay, where can we make changes? Where do you want to make changes that can support all of these body functions? And it's pretty easy. It feels overwhelming at first because people feel like, oh, I have to change my whole life. And what clients say again and again is, I can't believe that I was able to get these results because I just focus with them on one to two core areas because it's too overwhelming and it's not necessary. So by only focusing on a couple of areas, you can get massive results. But I think, again, there's this disconnect between With PMDD, the population, they feel so garbage. I mean, they're dying. They're like, their life is on fire cyclically. And they're cleaning up the messes. And and when you were looking at mood disorder symptoms, again, it's like moving across the country, like breaking up with your partner, cheating on your partner, having a lashing out moment anywhere. On, on people, you know, not being able to get out of bed, eating everything, like these like very extreme behaviors. So I must need a very extreme treatment protocol, right? Because I feel so bad. How could taking some supplements and working on micronutrient balance or blood sugar regulation, how could that seemingly small change make such an impact for how bad I feel? And that's a misunderstanding of how biology and physiology work again. And that's good news (laughs) because you have so many options. I wonder if lots of people get misdiagnosed with borderline personality disorder as well, because those like the things that you were just mentioning, that's what I thought of right away. If I'm not mistaken, that is pretty much mostly diagnosed in women. So I do these little Venn diagrams because I'm just so... Weird. Yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> and I like put all of the symptoms for, you know, bipolar, borderline, hypothyroidism, ADHD. And it's crazy the overlap in some of these, even dehydration symptoms, chronic and acute dehydration symptoms. It's like, wow, 
a lot of these are overlapping with severe psychological symptoms. But borderline is, I would say, maybe not right up there with bipolar just because it's newer on the scene. But I do think that people are getting misdiagnosed a lot with that personality disorder. Oh, my gosh. Well, I hope people listen to this and just keep track and take note of how things are going and know that not small changes, but they are small changes when you look at each one. Like I used to always just eat vegan options. Like I just liked that. So if we went out to eat or like I was always just ordering vegan stuff and now I will order like steak or, you know, I have shifted these certain things in my life that have made a huge change. So if people want to find out more, where can they find you? Yeah. So first I want to share, I do have a free, both a digital version and an analog version of what I call symptom mapping. So if you're noticing these symptoms, that's a free resource for you. Breaks it all down, how to do it. And there's the resource there if you're wanting to track or map, as I call it, those symptoms, because it's a visual representation versus just like tracking in your phone where you don't get that visual representation. I also have a supplement directory that's a free download with basic supplements that are key for supporting hormone regulation. And then I have a doctor's appointment form as well that's free to help you better advocate for yourself if you are working within the allopathic field to address the symptoms. But yeah, Her Mood Mentor is my business name. And so I have a website. Instagram is where I'm most active. But yeah, kind of all over the socials. If you're looking for more education and support, that's where I would find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Renee. It's been such a joy to chat with you.